You're now listening to the Bar Stars Podcast, where we explore health, longevity, and performance. I'm your host, Edward Checo, and we'll be diving deeper into topics I've been studying for the last 10 years as a catastatics expert. What's up, everyone? This episode is brought to you by our very own Bar Stars BTX program. I hope every single person and their families have been using the best practices of washing your hands, staying at home as much as possible, and when you do go out, wear a mask and keep proper distance from others. I know for me, I've been having the hardest time ever finding motivation to work out. Barstar BTX comes in perfect for this time. I get to fire up a video series that tells me exactly what to do and how to do it. I do the advanced workouts, but of course, they're beginner steps, even a pre-pull-up program included. It then proceeds to slowly pick up at a gradual pace as you get stronger week by week. With a personal progress tracker, download PDFs, over 200 plus videos, and a community to support you. This one comes in clutch. You can check it out at barstarsbtx.com and it comes with a 100% money back guarantee. All right, today our guest is Adam Sandell, the current world record holder of most pull-ups in one minute at a whopping 68 pull-ups at the time of this recording. Fun side fact, he is also a professor teaching philosophy. We talk about how he trained for the record, how competitive it was, how he ties philosophy into his training, and finally, how is he training now to break the world record in muscle-ups? All right, enjoy the episode. Hey, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be on, Ed. Thanks so much. How are you coping with COVID-19? You know, it's tough. I think we're all going through a hard time, but, you know, just trying to find ways to stay connected to people, uh, stay positive, and stay fit. Um, set up a good doorframe pull-ups bar uh, a couple weeks ago, which I highly recommend. I was super skeptical of it at first, you know, because you think it's going to come crashing down. But some of those things can hold some weight, you know, got some weighted reps in uh, and set up an outdoor bar, uh, too. So, you know, staying strong, trying to stay positive and, you know, embrace opportunities like this one just to connect virtually with people, which is quite remarkable. Yeah, unfortunately, here in New York, we don't have a, a lot of backyards. So I'm stuck to my doorway pull-up, and I actually have a pull-up tower in my room. Where are you located good, at? Good. Uh, I'm in Boston. Okay. Backyards are tough there too, huh? Backyards are tough. So <laughs> I actually <laughs> I threw it in my parents' driveway. So I'm lucky that my parents live kind of down the road from me. So, uh, you know, family support. Awesome. All right. Let's get right into it. How did you break the world record for most pull-ups in a minute? Well, um, first of all, it was a long process, but a lot of people don't realize is that I've gone back and forth with, with other competitors for this record. So I first broke it at 51 reps back in 2016. Uh, that was the first time I broke the one minute body weight pull-ups record. Uh, and then from there it went from 51, which I set to an Italian guy who got 53 than a Bulgarian guy who got 54. And this was like in a matter of months. So I set it and like a couple months later, I learned that it's been broken twice. Uh, and then back in, and then 2017 set it at 55, reclaimed it 2018, almost a year after the 55, I reset it at 61. And that was a special number for me because I was shooting 60, 60 and 60 seconds. And, you know, I was saying like, like, that's a cool number, like four minute mile, 60 pull-ups in 60 seconds. I thought it would, would be a cool record. So I was gunning for it. I got it. And the dramatic part was that after that 61, you know, I was tapering down. I mean, you know it, like when you're in a training phase and you've got a goal and you're training so hard. And then all of a sudden you hit it and you're like, okay, time to phase down. But what happened is a couple of weeks later, this national wrestling champion who had, who had impressed the nation actually a few years back when he won the NCAA wrestling championships with only one leg, um, stepped up to the pull-ups bar to, uh, to attempt the record. And I actually got a call. I was just, you know, two weeks or so after having broken the 60 barrier, uh, 61 pull-ups. I get a phone call from a strange number and it's a guy calling me from the wall street journal saying, do you know of this guy, Anthony Robles, who's this incredible athlete and he's going to attempt your record at halftime at the jets game. This is 
like November, 2018. And I said, wow, you know, I didn't know about this. And, you know, I watched his attempt and he got 62 reps. So he broke it. He broke that 61, which I thought was going to stand for a while. And then that took me to my, my most recent record with the 68, which was when I met you, Ed, back in, in 2018 in December in Orlando, Florida. So, you know, I can get into, of course, how I trained for the record, but I just wanted to introduce it by saying it's like, it's a process, you know, it's not like, like you just break the record because people are out there, you know, and there's competition. It's a very competitive record. I think, uh, I remember they used to have the show, the Guinness World Record Show. And you see all these like very unique feats, but like, you know, they weren't so competitive because they were so unique. It would be like a certain age group doing a very specific talent. Most pull-ups in a minute, I I personally met maybe like 10 people who've tried that. So oh. congratulations, it's, it's, it's well-earned. Well, thank you. Yeah, so let's discuss uh, on your training routine for it or your training program. So basically I train pull-ups twice a week and that surprises a lot wow. of people. Wow, yeah, yeah, it surprised me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I'm shifting it up a little bit, you know, adding some more reps, um, having linked up with boss life athletics and, you know, they, they emphasize more reps and, and more, um, training of a given exercise than I was used to. So I'm kind of experimenting with that and, and, uh, seeing how that works. But basically to break the record, I was doing two pull-ups workouts, uh, per week. And this was a strategy that basically had, had just worked for me. And that I kind of ironed out in partnership with with a guy who I train with up here in Boston named Ron Cooper, from whom I actually learned about these Guinness World Records in the first place. I read I'm about familiar with him. Does does he hold the record as well? Yeah, he holds a bunch of records. So he set okay. pull up records, push up records. I mean, the guy I think's got like 15, 20 Guinness World Records. So this he's a beast, like like athletic machine. And How do you guys know each other? Just so we met in 2015, summer of 2015, which is, and he kind of got me into the record setting frame of mind, because before that, I loved to work out. I always played a lot of sports, but I was never into like like setting records. It wasn't even on my radar screen, right? That you could set a Guinness World Record for pull-ups. I just loved to do pull-ups. You know, I was training him at my local, you know, Boston Sports Club gym and just uh, having fun with it, but. I, I read about him in the Boston Globe, actually. It was a front page article in 2015. He had just broken most pull-ups in a minute while wearing a 40-pound backpack. And I read the article. I was like, wow, this guy is strong. But then I thought in the back of my mind, I could do that. You know, I think I think I have a shot at that. So I went out on a limb and I contacted him and I sent him a video to to let him know that I was, you know, legit. Uh, of me doing pull-ups. And I said, you know, I, I find your video impressive, uh, your record impressive, because I had seen his YouTube as well. Um, and he got back to me, super generous, and said, come up to my gym, you know, train with me, I'll show you how I train. And it turned out we had some some similar training principles. He was also only training pull-ups two times per week. But he was doing stuff that that I didn't do. And I was doing some things that he didn't do. So we kind of linked up and started riffing off each other. He was, he introduced me to his gym and then, you know, this gradually, in Boston? this is in Boston. Yeah. He lives just North. So it was just really good luck that both of us happened to be in the Boston area. And he kind of took me under wing and, and, and showed me how he trained for Guinness world records. And from there, uh, we kind of started bouncing ideas off each other. And to this day, he, he's a close training partner friend you know we see each other once once a week once every two weeks to hit pull-ups but yeah that that again that's more background this story but yeah two times a week is the basic training but i train every day it's not like like that's it so on the other days i usually do monday friday is pull-ups wednesday will just be push so like push-ups dips um and I'll also throw push on the pull-up stays while emphasizing mainly pull-ups, but I'll get reps in with push-ups, dips. And then the other days, uh, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, I'll just do legs and I'll run. I run a lot. And I think that's kind of a secret weapon of sorts for these one-minute pull-up competitions. I had interviewed the, the guy who had the world record for uh, pull-ups uh, throughout the day. He was a Finnish guy. 
and he said that he didn't really train pull-ups so much it was more like swimming and he felt like cardio was a big factor in breaking the record i think it is you know one minute it's it gets to be cardio especially in that last 30 seconds last 15 seconds so how what does your pull days look like like very specifically you could go really detailed if you want so in general monday heavy day friday light day but when i say light day that doesn't necessarily mean the weight is that light compared to to most people because i'm still adding weight i'm still doing mostly weighted reps i would say so an average heavy day would be like i'll start six sets of five reps and maybe like pull chest to bar so you know instead of just chin try to get the bar to the collarbone or below um, to lengthen the range of motion. Maybe I'll do that with like a 70 pound kettlebell. Do you pick the weight based on what stops you at five reps? So I pick the weight based on where I am in the training phase. I usually map it out like 12 to 16 weeks. And at the 12th week or the 16th week, that will be basically the last workout before the competition or before the record attempt. So what I would do is I would pick a weight early in the training phase where I'm not at risk of failing a rep. You know, I, I, I think it's, it, it does not make sense to be failing reps like early on at the end, you know, when you get to week, week 10, yes, then, then you kind of want to push yourself to that point. But I would pick a weight where I know I can hit every single rep of every single set. It doesn't mean the reps are easy. Uh, and it doesn't mean you don't apply full force and full focus on every rep, but it would be a rep where I know on rep number 30, because let's say I'm doing five sets of six, rep number 30, I'm going to get it. You know, there's not a doubt in my mind that I'm going to get that rep. Whereas at week like eight, nine, 10, there will be a doubt in my mind of whether I can finish the last rep of the last set. And I'm really trying to push myself to get, you know, to the next level. I would say the for weighted pull-ups, like a five by six, six sets of five reps, let's say. Maybe at the beginning of the training phase, I start out with 50 pounds, 60 pounds. By the end, 80, 90. What's your one rep max? You know, I've never trained for it, but I've tested it. I, you know, like I've never trained to get a one rep max, but a couple of years ago, actually, no, it was a year ago, just over a year ago, I got one 100 plus 165 plus 165. So your body weight and – wait, I'm, I'm confused. So my body weight is 150 and I added uh, 165. 165 pounds. Yeah. And you completed one rep. Yeah. Okay. And when you train for the uh, five sets of six – I mean, what was it? Five reps, six sets. Mm-hmm. You used uh, – you said 70 pounds? Yes. Yeah, so I would say 70 represents like the, the average weight at which I would complete that. You know, I'll get up to 80, 90 at the very end of the, the phase, but 70, yeah, 70. So it's roughly like 40, 50% of your max. Yes, exactly. All right, so back to the workout. So you, a you do uh, six sets of five reps. So six sets, five rep, uh, two minutes for, some, for something like this where the weight's heavy and I want the reps to be quality. So two minutes. Do you time you know, it or you just like feel it? time it. I time it. These days I'll go off feel a little bit more, especially if I'm working technical stuff, I'll go off field. But when I'm kind of locked in for a training phase, I'll time it just to stay honest. So that's phase one. Phase two, I'll take five minutes, 10 minutes rest actually. Um, but when I say rest, it's usually active. Like I don't want to get complacent, lazy. So I'll, I'll do abs or something, you know, like a five minute ab routine, you know, sit-ups, V-ups, hollow body rocks, five minutes. Then I might take five minutes just to kind of rest. And then the next part will be like, like mid weight. So I'll drop the weight down to say, I don't know if I started at 70, maybe it's 45 pounds, maybe it's 25 pounds. And I'll, I'll do sets of 10 or 12 or 15, uh, instead of five reps. And maybe I'll keep pulling chest to bar. Maybe I'll just do chin over and, you know, I adjust the weight accordingly. So I would say something like talking average again, like Put on a 45 plate, five sets of 10 reps, one minute of rest. So the reps get longer, rest gets shorter. Yes, exactly. So then I'm kind of simulating, I'm getting closer to to what the actual event's going to look like throughout the workout. So that that 45 pound workout is tough. So I have some like like benchmark 
things that I have in the back of my mind where if I can hit those benchmarks, I know I'm ready. I'm in like 60 plus shape, 60 pull-ups in 60 seconds. If I can accomplish these exercises, one of them is five sets, 10 reps of plus 45 with a strict minute rest. If I can do that, and I'm talking continuous reps too, like like not much hanging rest either. You know, you can finish the 10th rep, maybe you hang for like an extra second, but you know, you're not really taking hanging rest. And if, if I can finish that, I know I'm in kind of like, if I, I can finish that in the middle of the workout, I know I'm ready to like get over 60. It's just a question of how much. So, so yeah, that will be phase two, phase two out of three. We're at 50, 80 reps total by that point, but weighted reps, quality reps. Then at the end is where I'll like try to get the speed work going, try to get the body weight reps going, try to get them fast. So that will be sets of 20 or 30. After all the other sets. Yeah. Yeah. How many sets of 20 or 30? I would say three sets of 30 or, you know, three, four, five sets of 20. It depends again where I'm at in the training phase. But if I'm getting close to the competition, I want three sets of 30 off of like four minutes, five minutes rest. That's amazing. So that's your hard day. So that's like, that would be, that would represent a heavier day. How much time would you say the session would be? Two hours. Oh, you're doing more than just a pull-ups then or no? I, I am, especially these days when I'm training muscle-ups more. So what I'll do is I'll start incorporating push stuff usually into the second phase or the third phase. So I'll, I'll do sets, you know, 10 reps, 45 pounds, pull-ups, and then I'll do 10 dips right away, like a superset, uh, and, then, and then rest one minute after that. So it's a little bit more rest. Um, from the time I finish the pull-ups, but because I'm doing the extra work with the dips, uh, it ends up being roughly the same in terms of the fatigue. Are you going for the muscle-up world record? Yeah, so it's 26, and that's the record that that I would love, you know, because it's just such a cool movement, and I w- I want it, you know. It's 26 in a row, uh, strict muscle-up. So that's what I've been training for for a while now. Correct me if I'm wrong, but I think there's two records for the muscle-ups, right? One where you're allowed to swing. And one where there's like a barrier in front? Yeah, so the Guinness World allows you to swing, but it doesn't allow you to kip. So there's a difference. You know, your legs can come forward a little bit more, but you can't use your legs to generate the the upward power. So Guinness World Records will, will not allow you to kip, but they'll allow you to swing naturally a little more. Like, you know, when you're kind of at the top, squeezing out a rep and naturally there's a break at the waist and your feet come up and your legs forward a little, that's okay. So long as you're not using your legs to first kick yourself up. And I think it's like 20, you know, there are different organizations like, like the strict, strict muscle up. Um, they let you pause at the top a little bit more, I believe. Um, but yeah, I'm going to get it wrong. I think it's like 25, but don't, you know, don't quote me on that. But I know the Guinness World is 26. And that's like a, a three-second pause max at the top, continuous. I actually was trying for that a couple of years ago. It's definitely hard on your hands. It, it's, it's tough. Yeah, it depends what, what bar you use. It is tough on your hands. I mean, what did you, what, what did you experience in your training for that? I'm actually curious what, um, what sort of sets were you doing? Yeah, so I, I, I was definitely uh, less sophisticated on the programming. This was uh, maybe maybe like 10 years ago. Uh, I ran the Armstrong pull-up program. It was a five-day-a-week program, and I just replaced uh, uh, pull-ups with muscle-ups, and I used uh, really light ankle weights. So uh, one day it would be like a pyramid, one, and then two, and then three. But then I was so obsessed with training that I would even train a second time during the day. So I actually got to uh, 20 21 muscle-ups with, with poor form. And then I just, I, I abandoned the, the, the goal. But I, it was definitely a lot of fun. And I definitely felt really powerful on muscle-ups. Like by the end of it, I was just like kind of flying up. Yeah. No, I've seen you on muscle-ups. I've seen those videos. It's amazing. You know, with the the pull-ups, the muscle-ups, the, the claps and, and things you throw in. It's, it's cool stuff. Yeah. And then training for the muscle-up record, I felt like it was so time-consuming. And I didn't get to really try the the stuff I kind of really like, like all the fun stuff, like, you know, clapping behind my back. There's only so many hours in a day. Yeah. But I do like, I like a little variation of everything, some strength, some endurance, uh, some of the creativity stuff. That's cool. So walk us through the light day and then we'll move on back to the muscle ups. Yeah. So the light day will be like, I'll start 
maybe instead of 70, I'll start with a 45 pound plate, uh, and hit that hit like five sets to 10. So I'll start with that. Try to make it crisp. Another one. This is like another one of my benchmark tests. So 45 pounds, 10 reps, chest to bar, right? Rest two minutes, 25 pounds, 15 reps, chest to bar, rest two minutes, take off all the weight, body weight, chest to bar, 20 reps. So we've got 20, 35, 45 total reps going from 10 at 45 to 15 at 25 to 20 body weight. That is a really, really tough beginning to the workout. If I can nail that, again, I, I know I'm in like 60 plus shape. That's your light day. That would be a light day because I'm starting with 45 pounds. I'd say 45 is like a middle type weight, but relative to the other day, it's light. Yeah, got it. And how often would you try to actually max out? Very infrequently. Once every two weeks? Once no, week. no, no. Like once, I wouldn't try to max out like just do one minute pull-ups and see how many I can get or one set. No, I would do it maybe three or three or four times leading up to, to the event itself. So if my event is at, at week 16, maybe week 14 and 15, Monday and Friday, I'll try to max out. So four times total in, in the course of 16 weeks. It's crazy. I don't want to do it. It like messes with my head. There's like a temptation to always test your max, but I think it's important to hold back. Yeah, I can see that for sure. Because it's not how you get better. You know, it's like that there are more efficient ways to get better. And if you indulge in the temptation to just like always test your max, you're not going to be taking the steps to to really hone in on the technique and to to hone in on on um, those really tough weighted reps that are going to pay off down the road. Do you think if you added an extra day, it would have hindered your performance? So instead of a, a hard day and a light day, let's say a hard, medium, and light day on pulls. It's a good question, and I'm open to this still. I've tried it. It's not. I've. It's not like the two days are just something that I've had set in stone forever. I've, I've trained pull-ups three days, four days a week. And I just found that, that this is, has been the most efficient. And because it's worked for me to set the records, I'm hesitant to adjust it. Um, I'm more open to adding push reps. For some reason, I feel like one can recover from pushing reps, especially like push-ups and dips a little bit faster. Now, maybe that's just the way I experience it, but it might be a general principle that actually the back muscles for pull-ups require a little bit more time, especially if you're adding weight to recover. Have you noticed your body change as you went for the pull-up world record? That's a good question. You know, I don't pay that much attention to it, honestly. I I hover around 150 pounds body weight, um, probably up to 155, 156 at the most these days. Uh, and then I drop it down to 148 is kind of my fighting weight, you know, competition ready, 148, you know, 148, 150. But I, my body doesn't fluctuate much. And because I, I've trained a lot throughout my life, you know, I've always been in shape. So I, I didn't notice a whole lot of difference actually transitioning to pull-ups. But I guess the one thing is, is I stopped squatting heavy and deadlifting heavy. Um, so I'm more top heavy legs are smaller, uh, definitely smaller than when I did powerlifting stuff. You did that on purpose? Yeah. Um, I still think like having strong legs is perfectly compatible with, with being top at pull-ups. And you see some guys like, you know, you go on YouTube and you see some beasts on the bar who are also squatting a crazy amount. So it can be done. I think it's kind of a myth that you know, if you train your legs hard, that's going to detract from your pull-ups. I think the body kind of works in unison. So if, you, if you're strengthening one part of your body, especially if it's a full body movement, that translates. Yeah, I just do lighter weights just because I don't like it as much is, is the reason, to be honest. Like, I don't like squatting anymore. I used to love to do it. I competed in powerlifting for many years, but I stopped and now I just like to rep out body weight reps, jump squats, you know, reps with 45 on each side of the bar, that type of thing. You ever got tendinitis on your way to, or in your training throughout from the pull-ups on your elbow? I've been blessed with, with a body that's good for pull-ups, I think. I've never gotten injured 
on the pull-up motion itself. However, I've been injured in minor ways tons of times, you know, on other parts of the body, typically my pec, like the, the tie-in muscle where the pec ties into the shoulder all the time, whether it's bench pressing or dips or... It's a common injury. It's so, yeah, you know, it's common. It's like a, it's a vulnerable area of the body. But again, I feel like some people are built to withstand that and other people have to really work to stay loose and, and to make sure that that area is protected. Yeah. When you go for the pull-up wood record, and, and not just you, I feel like everyone does, there's a wide grip. That's on purpose or is uh, just the way you most comfortably uh, pull to the bar? Because it definitely gives you a less range of motion the wider you are. Of course. Um, so the thing about wide grip is, first of all, it's something that I learned. I didn't start doing pull-ups that way. I didn't learn wide grip until I observed the other competitors and saw that all of the top <clears throat> competitors were doing a wide grip. And so I adjusted. I always took what I would consider a medium grip, you know, not a little farther than shoulder width apart, uh, thumbs under the bar rather than thumbs over. Um, I, I just, it just felt strong. And if you take a beginner at pull-ups and say, Hey, try a pull-up, they're going to take the, the narrower grip because you have more leverage when your arms are in close. But I gradually worked it out because that's what I saw the others were doing. And I did it gradually because it's tough on the shoulders, but the advantage is it shortens the range of motion, as you say, so you can get more reps theoretically. Um, what people don't realize is that there is a trade-off. So it's like wider doesn't simply make it easier. I think it does make it more efficient, especially for a one-minute format, because you can just cut you cover less distance, you can do it quicker. It's kind of simple math. But it is it is a weaker grip. And as proof of that, um if you try to put weight, try to add weight to your body and maintain that wide grip, you can't do it. So if I put a 45, especially if I put two plates, there's no way I would go that wide. I'd bring the grip in because it's stronger. So, you know, the the, the wide grip was something I, I adapted specifically to the Guinness World Record competitions. But when I train, I actually train all width, widths of grip. Explain that. So you'd alternate every, uh, every set? Sometimes every set, sometimes more within the phases of the workout, uh, weighted reps, I bring it in. Um, but, but yeah, I'll go thumbs over, thumbs under, wide grip, narrow grip. Um, just because I want to be sharp at everything. Different competitions have different formats. And as I've gotten more into calisthenic competitions in general, you know, not just going for Guinness World Records, but... Um, just entering more competitions, you know, there's always different rules and you want to be able to excel, you know, no matter what the rules are. Do you notice a significant difference when you have thumbs under or thumbs over? So this is my theory. I, I think that when you hit 45 pounds, it becomes more advantageous to put your thumbs under once you start getting over 45 pounds. When you're less than 45 pounds added, I think thumbs over is better because it not only shortens the range a little bit, but it actually takes pressure off of the muscles in your wrist and forearm. So at least for me, now this is very personal because I see others, other top people go thumbs under always. So they must have the theory that that's stronger, that's stronger for them. For me, thumbs under becomes stronger only at a certain point, like like heavier weighted reps. Before that, thumbs over. See, I'm weird. Uh, it just my comfort changes depending on the day. So some yeah. days I like thumbs over, and then some days I just like thumb under. It just depends how I woke up that day. Yeah, I can see that. Do you think? Um, it's possible to get to that level of pull-ups without ever training weighted pull-ups or weighted pull-ups is a key factor in getting to that level of endurance. That's a great question. Yeah, I haven't thought about it, but my hunch is that it is possible. Um, the reason I say that is because when you do the event, you know, 
you're not adding any weight. You're just with your own body weight. And there must be a way to get there without adding weight. And there are plenty of ways you can make your pull-ups harder by pulling high, by pulling high enough to do a muscle-up, where those reps are just as quality as weighted reps. Like, I think like a rep with a 45-pound plate is probably equivalent to a high chest-to-bar pull-up. Um, yeah, I think it's true too. Yeah, right. Like if you're just kind of thinking the numbers, okay, how many chest-to-bar pull-ups can I get in one set? How many pull-ups regular with a 45-pound plate can I get in one set? It's probably similar. Especially if you don't kip. If it's like a real strict all the way up, uh, get the bar to your chest. That's a lot more difficult than people, I think, would imagine. It's very difficult. Yeah, it's a whole other world. Just stopping at your chin, it's like so much easier. Yeah, no, I totally agree. It's... uh, you know, two X to be able to bring it to your chest. So, but you do think it's important to make the pull up harder. So for I do. Example, what I, yeah, I do. Um, you know, you see this across a lot of sports, right? Sprinters, a hundred meters, they're training, pulling a sled. Um, you know, they're doing things to, to make it harder, to be more explosive. Um, which gets to another, another aspect of, of being really good at like one set or especially like one minute pull-ups is you just have to be quick. You have to train your reflexes. You have to kind of be able to fire, fire up and get back down fast. And, and the weighted reps help with that. What's your uh, stance on kipping pull-ups? I think they're great. You know, I don't, I don't have a, I don't have like a, any animosity toward any form of pull-ups. I I think if you're getting yourself over the bar, it's fantastic. And the, for me, I don't train them because I'm, I'm training for other events. You know, I'm training for calisthenics competitions and almost always that's a strict pull-up. Same with Guinness world records. But if you look at some of these CrossFit guys and the numbers that they put up doing kipping pull-ups, you have to respect it. It's like, it's, it's an athletic movement and in many ways it's, it's functional, like, like think real life. You have to get over a wall. Let's say you're in the military and you're on a mission and you've got to get over the wall. What? Somebody's going to say bad job because you kept, no, <laughs> get, up, <laughs> like, get over the wall strictly. Yeah. Right. It's stupid. So, <laughs> so, so, um, w- where though I, I personally, uh, train for the strict pull-up, I think kipping pull-ups are fine. Now there's a separate debate on how safe they are, you know, how risky they are compared to regular. I don't know. I really don't know. Um, that's something to consider, but just as, as something as an event, I think it's, it's legit. How about on the range of motion on a pull-up range of motion? Do you think there's a, it should be like a universal standard for everyone or to each its own? And the standard should only be enforced on a world record or a competition or any. I think there's so many ranges of motion that, that are impressive, right? So you can do the fullest range of motion, which would be a super high chest to bar pull up or like even bar to belt buckle. And then you take a, a range of motion. Let's just go extreme. Let's go like, like a half rep, somebody doing halfies. There could be a time and a place for both of those. So actually when I train, sometimes I do train with half reps intentionally. So I'll put on a 25 pound plate and I'll go down maybe to, you know, get the chin over and then just go down to here and hold it for a second and come back up. Because the interesting thing about the pull up is your body is constantly under tension. So, so even if you are not locking out at the bottom, right? You're here. It's still actually hard to support yourself there and generate momentum to pull yourself up from that position. Now, obviously, if we're talking competition, that's not going to fly because there. I do think there is something to be said for the full hang and chin over. Just because universally, I think that's accepted as kind of a baseline thing for a competition, right? Like if it's a military test, which I think is one of the the arenas in which pull-ups become very prominent you know people know pull-ups from like military from pe class at the gym and there's a history to this so you know your gym teacher will say no rep if you don't get your chin over the bar likewise no rep if your elbows don't straighten at the bottom so i think for competition yeah that 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 
that should be a minimum. Plus, it's hard to police it, right? If, if you're not doing a full hang, there's kind of an objective standard, right? Full hang, you can see that, and, and certainly on slow motion. But like, what counts as a proper half rep, right? There's no way of kind of uniform, uniformity in that circumstance. Yeah, I fully agree. I think you should train however you want to train. Uh, I'm no one to police anyone. But I think if there's a competition, it should be like something that we all agree, no matter what continent we're on. And I think uh, the traditional chin over, arms lock should be it. Yeah. All right. So you're a philosophy professor. That's right. Yeah. That's my day job. Definitely did not see that coming. So how does that tie into your workout, if it does at all? Yeah, it's a great question. So it ties in. Um, and that's actually where the name Professor Pull-Ups comes from. So my my nickname, uh, my Instagram name, Professor Pull-Ups, comes from the fact that I teach philosophy and train pull-ups. Um, but it also is represents that that those two things, philosophy and fitness, go together for me. So it's not like they're just two separate aspects of my life, but I tried to to bring them together to actually take philosophical insights and use those to motivate me on the bar. And similarly, actually, take lessons that I learn on the bar and translate that into philosophical ideas. So... For example, one thing that, that the philosophers that I read em- emphasize, Aristotle, for example, says that happiness is about activity. It's about engaging in activity that is intrinsically worthwhile, that you would do regardless of the results. So he, he draws a distinction between activities that aim at a certain result, like like making something, making a pair of shoes. Let's say you're making a pair of shoes. The finished product is the pair of shoes that somebody can wear. The process is, is a means to the end. But he says there, there's another way to look at activity um, and really anything you do, which is to uh, appreciate the process itself. So it's not just about producing something that then justifies the process, but it's that you appreciate yourself in the midst of the activity. So we could take the example of that shoemaker again. Like he wants to accomplish making a good pair of shoes. But there's a story to him, to, to his activity, while he's in the midst of work, right? That that, that, that kind of master craftsmanship, like like while he's in, in the midst of making the pair of shoes, there's a, a kind of understanding of himself, Everything it took to get him to that that point, to that profession, how that vocation fits into his larger life. So what Aristotle is trying to say is we have to take joy in the process and and understand the way that we live basically, not as just aiming for achievements and for goals, for finished products, but for a kind of a kind of joy um, in what you do while you're doing it. And I translate that insight to training because we're all training for goals, right? Like, like whether it's a pull-ups record or whether it's a calisthenics competition with a lot of competitors, high stakes, or whether you just want to shed some weight or, or whether you want to, um, you know, gain some muscle or get your first pull-up, right? We're, we're, we have goals, but it's easy to get wrapped up in those goals in a way that's self-defeating, like where you start to to look at yourself and your self-worth and the worth of the activity si- simply in terms of whether you accomplish those goals. And the thing Aristotle would say is, no, that's the goal-oriented framework is the wrong way of looking at it. Like, sure, you want to be successful, but more important than that, is the actual engagement in the activity. And so I think about like the midst of a hard training set, like right in the middle when you're like, you're in the flow, you're in the zone. Um, and there's kind of an experience that's intrinsically worthwhile. You're, you're relating to the pull-up bar. You're relating to your training partners. If you have training partners, you're kind of bringing 
to fulfillment a story, like a personal narrative, like, like all the people that you've met, all of the paths that you've traveled that have brought you to that moment. So there's a certain intrinsic joy, you know, it's like, it's like, this is who I am. And whether I, I, I set the record or hit the PR, that's kind of secondary. It matters, but it's secondary. And I think it's motivational, you know, because it takes the pressure off the, the accomplishment and it orients you to, to something that lasts and, that's, and something that inspires too. Um, so, so that's kind of, that's the way I see philosophy and fitness fitting together. And, and it's perspective too. It, it's like all accomplishments just taken as like lines on the leaderboard they're going to be broken, you know, they're going to be surmounted someday or the world evolves and, and people stop valuing the things that, that we compete so hard for now. But what they don't stop valuing is the, the qualities of character that you develop and the kind of the person you bring to expression when working toward those goals. So that's how I translate the philosophy to the fitness. Um, and I find it very inspirational. Um, and actually a lot of my work is trying to, to bring that out. I'm working on a book to, to connect philosophy to fitness. It's a philosophy book, but I'm drawing on all these examples from fitness to try to, to illuminate philosophy. Listening to that was very inspiring and poetic. I felt it was was true. You got to enjoy the process. Yeah, that's it. You know, we say that, enjoy the process, embrace the journey. And it's so true, but at the same time, it's so hard to live up to. So you make the students do pull-ups as part of the the curriculum? Oh my God. Yeah, no. (laughs) They're, they're, uh, you know, they're frightened enough by me already. (laughs) Uh, How old are you? 34. At what age do you do your first pull-up? That's a good question. 17. 17. Was that 17 years, 16 years, Phillips? 17 years ago, yeah. So it was with my dad. It was with my dad, too. He just challenged me to a pull-ups <laughs> contest. Yeah, see how many you can do. Who won? He did. You ever thought about doing a rematch? Yeah, no, he... <laughs> when you train for the record, uh, leading up to two days a week, do you train with a partner or do you train by yourself? I train sometimes by myself, but... More and more these days, I've been training with partners. So, you know, Ron Cooper, who I mentioned, is is one of my partners in Boston, who who uh, has been, you know, such a a kind of uh, like like a generous mentor, but also a friendly competitor. Like like we're we always push each other during the workout. So, you know, I've been very fortunate to have that. And then recently, you know breaking into the, the calisthenic scene down in New York, um, going down for pull-ups park jam last summer was kind of a turning point. I feel in, in my athletic journey, because I met so many people who were doing amazing things, but also who had this competitive, but, but friendly spirit. So linking up with those guys and seeing what they do and how they train and, finding new ways of learning. Um, because I'm always look, I'm always trying to put myself in a position to learn new things. And, and the better you get, I think the harder it is to find those situations. But down in, in Brooklyn last summer, you know, I was just blown away by all these folks who were doing similar things. So having gone down there and competed in pull-ups park jam, uh, and then, linking up with boss life athletics and getting a chance to train with those guys shout out to to boss life athletics um you know those guys are doing amazing things and also the other calisthenics teams just you know mind-boggling things and training with them has kind of reoriented my perspective on what's possible um so yes i train with people on the one hand just like like sheer numbers like i I've seen the, the, the endurance, you know, and I'm talking across the board, not just one event, but like, like consistency, pull-ups, squats, sit-ups, dips, the sheer number of reps within a short amount of time where you look at somebody and you say, wow, that person 
is an athlete, like, like an elite athlete. And it struck me. So, so I'll, I'll take you back to, to the very, very first part of pull ups park jam over the summer, which was the muscle ups event. And it's one minute muscle ups. And I went down there, of course, super confident. I didn't know who was, was going to show up. I knew people were going to be good, but you know, you never know exactly until you see who's there. But of course I had confidence in my muscle ups cause I've been training them and I've set world records and pull ups. Um, so I came down with the attitude, I'm going to win, you know, I'm going to win this just because that's how I walk into any setting. You know, I'm going to win. I see the, the competitors and, and, you know, I was going toward the middle and I see people putting up not just like, you know, eight muscle ups, nine, 10, but like 12s and 14s and 16s. People are putting up insane numbers on muscle ups. I get up and, and put up 18, which I thought, you know, I thought was going to be good. I didn't know how good based on, cause I saw all these you know, ridiculous numbers, but that, that was first, that was, that put me in first, but then, uh, TD and boss also both got 18. So we were locked in a three-way tie for first place. And I didn't know them, you know, this was my first introduction to them. So I'm just kind of there sort of as an outsider. Cause I've followed some of these people on Instagram, you know, like fitness phenom, I had been chatting with him on Instagram. So I had learned about the event, but I was coming in as an outsider basically. And I was just blown away. So all of a sudden I find myself in this three-way tie and then we're going head to head in a tiebreaker. You know, they're, they're like, all right, we're going to do it again. One minute, get back up there. <laughs> and I went and, and I think I got 16, which I thought would be maybe good to take first place, but TD got back up and, and got 18 for the win. So it ended up me, TD, me and boss were the three finalists and we were all on the podium together. TD took it, but it was just that kind of like, wow moment. Like, like there are a lot of other people out there who I, like, I didn't, I wasn't aware of the extent to which there are these elite athletes training for the same things I'm training for and, and also the way they train. So, you know, boss life reached out to me after the event. And of course I was super impressed by them and by their team. And for that matter, by all the other teams, but they reached out to me and said, Hey, you, you know, you want to link up with us and, and, uh, kind of have a, have a team, have a, have a group to show up with at competitions, but, but also for support and for training tips and to learn, um, so I consider that kind of a turning point in my trajectory where now I'm trying to to link up with others and put myself in a position where I can be with people to learn from, to share my advice with, of course, but also where I can learn, where I can take it to the next level. Because you learn from from everybody, you know, if somebody's devoted, of course, I'm going to look to to other elite athletes. But even somebody who is up and coming, right? Maybe they're younger, and they're learning. They're going through the process of how to do a muscle up, and you see something in their technique that you hadn't thought of before, and you say, "Wait a minute, I could apply that to my own training." So it's like anyone who's that devoted. It's like it's really about commitment. Anyone who's that committed, you look at them. And you can learn something, but, you know, especially from all of these elite athletes out there who have made an impression on me, I feel like that's the way to take it to the next level. Do you feel like there's a correlation between uh, the high number of pull-ups you could do and the number of muscle-ups you could do? A hundred percent. I think muscle-ups is tricky because it's technical. Uh, it's much more technical than a pull-up. So the transition, I mean, as you know is tough. So there's a component of being smooth and efficient that, that you really need to master. But I think to, to master that, the raw strength from the pull is what gets you there. So what I think is like it's the pull that distinguishes the top muscle-ups people because most people I think can get, most strong people can get their dips strong enough to the point where that's not limiting them on the muscle-up. Like, like you see them repping out, you know, 70 clip dips like but to get to 20 muscle ups 
is tough. You know, maybe, maybe that person can't do 20 muscle ups in a row. Probably not because 20 is a lot. So what's the difference? The pull it's coming from the pull strength. So I think that's the advantage that I have with the pull background. But that said for me, you know, working the technique, the transition, the dips part, the shoulder strength, the forearm strength is really crucial. But absolutely, like the first time I tried muscle ups, I could do five. Like, you know, they were messy, but I could do five muscle ups simply from pull strength. When you first tried to do a muscle up, it was after you had the world record for pull ups? Yeah. Yeah. So oh, wow. I've only trained muscle ups for a little over a year. What made you want to do a muscle up? Just cool. You seen cool. it in person or like on a video? Yeah, just seeing them on YouTube, seeing them in person, watching. Yeah, just 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 seeing like what a what a full range it is and how elegant it looks when people can do it strict. It just impressed me. Uh, and I felt like if I'm the the pull ups world record holder, I should also be able to be the muscle ups world record holder now. That might be, we'll see. We'll, we'll see if that's true. But I felt I should give myself a shot. Is 18 your max? I've gotten to 20 on, on several occasions. So 18 in a minute, 19 in a minute is my max. So I've got, I've got that up, up on video. Um, but, but yeah, 26 is next level. So, you know, training hard. So there, there has to be a correlation, but it can't be exact because you could probably no. most likely do more pull-ups than the guy who has the world record for muscle-ups. Uh, yeah. I, in fact, you know, I know I can. Yeah, uh, you're the uh, world record holder. Yeah, I mean, he's a beast. He's a beast. Yeah. But, but yeah, the, there is a difference for sure. It's, it's correlation, but obviously not <laughs> one thing doesn't cause the other. Are you going to head to your muscle-up training the same exact way as uh, you did for your pull-ups? Well, I don't know. You know, with muscle ups, it's something I'm a little, well, a lot less expert in. So I'm, I'm more open to, to ideas and to, to watching other people. But basically, yeah, like, like the basic principles, like I don't think I'm shifting the two days a week, three days at the most, you know, I'm not going to train muscle ups every day, but I am going to experiment, especially with like different accessory exercises and stuff like that yeah so i remember when i was first doing uh when i was trying for the muscle-ups i was trying to aim for five training days a week and the first week i just there was no way i could have done it like my back was so shot the next day that when i went to grab the bar that i couldn't even do one so i had to slowly lead up to five training days a week which again i don't think was ideal but at the time is what i i did and i imagine like if you uh have a two day a week a pull-up schedule if it's muscle up it might it's gonna look like maybe what one day a week a day and a half yeah well the the muscle ups i've thrown so the muscle ups have now become the pull-ups workouts so i'll either start with muscle ups or put them in phase two so remember how i was saying like if i'm doing six sets of five with plus 70 maybe i'll start out doing that but then phase two i'll go to muscle ups or maybe i'll start with muscle ups and do like sets of five, six, seven, eight, ten, even to start off. Maybe I'll do weighted muscle ups, like a six sets of five with twenty five pounds added. That that sort of thing. So uh, it just gets substituted for the pull ups. Do you do a uh, a weight belt or ankle weights? Uh, weight belt, but yet your your um your ankle weights are an interesting idea. Maybe I'll try those since since you had success with it. Is there anything that helped you get the pull up record? that was not exercise related? I would say two sources. So number one, most direct would be other people in the game. So as an athlete, you're, you're, part, of a, you're part of a history and you're studying, you're watching others on, whether it's YouTube or Instagram, who are doing these things and have been doing them for years. So there's that. And then there are the people in your immediate circle who you're training with and who are inspiring you. Because I think one, and I, I, I think you can relate to this. It's like as an elite athlete, it doesn't mean that you're super motivated when you're starting the workout every day. Like some days you wake up and you're super excited. Other days you're not. And it's those training partners, whether they're there physically with you in person or whether 
you know, you're just channeling their spirit and thinking about what they're doing and using that to motivate yourself. So I can say for a fact that I wouldn't have gotten the pull-ups world record without training partners, without people who I was watching and who were inspiring me. So that that is one huge source off the bar that was was instrumental. And then the second would be kind of the broader philosophy, connecting up philosophy to pump myself up, to motivate myself in the ways that I was describing, you know, embrace the journey, embrace the process, don't get too hung up on what you hit today on the record, just that kind of sense of perspective. So perspective plus friends, friends broadly conceived, I think are the two, the two big sources uh, off the bar. You had said something about uh, jogging and it played a part in your pull-ups at the very beginning of this interview. Do you remember? Of course. Yeah. So how often would you jog and, and what part would you uh, play? say that contributed to your pull-ups? So it's actually more than jogging. So I'll do hard workouts. Um, I'm actually in a running club and, you know, I'm kind of upper middle of the pack there, but the upper end of that pack is like former college track runners. So they're, they're way better than I am, but that pushes me. So we're doing 400 meter repeats on the track. We're doing eight hundreds, thousands. So it's not just like go out <clears throat> for a jog. Some days I'll, I'll go out for a jog, but you know, at least two days, I'm I'm hitting it hard. I'm approaching it like I would approach my pull-ups, 400 meters. And and Ron and I train this way too. He he was a star runner in college in the 400, the 800. Now he's a pull-ups and and push-ups champion. So there's definitely a correlation. It's not just me. Um, but but very few calisthenics athletes, to my knowledge, actually incorporate running to the extent that I do. So I think. I actually would be curious to see if they incorporated that more, what would happen. But yeah, it's like the psychology too, because if you think about it, 400 meters around the track, if you run it fast, like really fast, it's one minute. And that's exactly the length of time for the pull-ups competition. So the sensation, the kind of pushing through the pain barrier is very analogous. It's actually more painful on the track, believe it or not, to, to run a hard 400, you are hurting way more than in like a hard pull-ups one minute simply because of the, the the aerobic cardio nature of it where like your heart rate is max your your breathing is is really taxed and i feel like that mental toughness as well as the physical payoff translates to the bar so how often do you run three days a week two hard track workouts and then one like what I would call a jog or like a steady, like moderate steady pace where I go five, six, seven, eight miles. Those are opposing days from the pull-up days? Mm -hmm. Or do they overlap? So those would be opposing days. I probably, I definitely wouldn't run before a pull-ups workout. Maybe after, you could run after a pull-ups workout, but usually it's a different day. So I'll run Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, do pull-ups Monday, Friday. That's like pull-ups, muscle-ups, also push. And then Wednesday will just be push stuff. So actually those three days I'm running, I would call them running plus legs because before and after the running, I'll also do legs, uh, you know, squats, lunges, jump squats, that sort of thing. All right. Last question. Yeah. Once you grab the bar, what's going on through your head for that one minute you're trying to hit through as many pull-ups as you can? Honestly, nothing. Um, bef before I grab the bar, I'll tell myself something. Usually I'll just have a short slogan in mind, like one sentence, knock them down, you know, knock down those pull-ups. Just something like that that I'll say to myself to kind of kick myself into gear. You know, and it could be different depending on the day. But once I grab the bar, it's like just autopilot. It's like the training, the months of training kick in. There's there's really no way to mess it up. And there's no way to get yourself like so pumped up, you know, like, oh, I, I'm going to get an adrenaline rush. And instead of 65 or 70, I'm going to get 80. No, nah, it's, it's just not going to happen. So it's like... You just trust your training and the training will carry you through. You know, I don't believe in like, like you can psych, you can just psych your way into it. Like, oh, I'm going to get like so pumped up that now it's going to be so many more than I ever did in training. No, it, it's kind of basically what the training you put in is what's going to come out <laughs> in the competition. It may be one rep or two reps and that that could be significant but it's not going to like be make or break most likely so just kind of get in the flow and and just like let it rip do you count them yes i usually count them but 
occasionally I'll lose count. But like in Florida, I, I, I had the count. I had the count going. I knew where I was. Does it mess you up if you lose the count? No. You just like, no, nah, keep slamming them. Yeah, you just keep going. Perfect. All right. Uh, thank you for, the, for your time. Uh, I'll put all your social media in the description down below. Professor Pull-Ups, correct? Yes. Professor.pullups. Everything spelled properly. Yes. And it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. Well, thank you so much, Ed. It's been uh, an absolute pleasure on my end, too. And, you know, you are one of the people whose videos I've been seeing for a long time. And, you know, I know how much that you've done for calisthenics um, on the bar, but, but also just to put calisthenics on the map and to cultivate other calisthenics athletes. So thank you very much for that. I'm honored. Thank you. If you guys enjoyed the podcast, head over to barstars.com and pick up a piece of merchandise. We have apparel, t-shirts, uh, joggers, sweaters. We also have resistance bands that could also be used for assistance if you're learning calisthenic movements like the front lever, one arm pull up or the muscle up. Also have different affiliate products on the page. Any purchase goes to supporting the show and making sure we could get out good quality content for you guys. And we hope brings pleasure and value to your life. All right. Peace.